Hello everyone. I want to welcome you back to See the Sunrise. This is season three in episode seven. Seeing the sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. We find in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33 and verse three, where the Lord spoke to the prophet when he was in prison. He said to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing, not only behind the scenes, but in the lives of everyday people like you and me. From the pulpit to the pew, we all have had various challenges and experiences that bring us to a need for Christ in our lives. This week, I want to share with you what I believe is encouragement as we continue on in this Lenten season. Um, first of all, let me also repeat, Lent is not necessarily a biblical, it is not found in the Bible, but the exercises that come with celebrating the Lenten season have a way of increasing our faith and giving us the strength and hope that we need to get through difficult times. And right now, I think all of us would say these are difficult and challenging times. I want to read from the book of Isaiah chapter 53. Those of you that participate or have gone to church on Easter and or Christmas, this probably is a familiar text for you. Let me share it with you. I'm only going to read a few verses, but I want to talk about that. And I'm hoping by the end of this podcast, you will see that this season is not uh, necessarily about so much denial, which it is denial because it's sacrifice, but it's something we gain as throughout the process. From Isaiah, we read, Chapter 53, verses 1 through 8. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As I said before, this scripture is one that we hear often during the Easter or Christmas season, but I want to talk about it during this time of sacrifice. I have been, as I'm focusing on this in this podcast, I dare say that some of you are probably struggling, wondering how much longer does this season go on? And I've had a number of people ask me that, and it's made me chuckle because they were only a couple of days into the sacrifice and there were several more weeks left. Right now, we're almost at the halfway mark. And I hope and I pray that you are gaining something as you're walking through this season. I hope after you hear this podcast, that you will see your sacrifice differently. And instead of waiting until it's over, my prayer is that you're going to find strength in the privilege to every day 
to be able to walk out this season of sacrifice. One of the things that gets watered down during this time of year is that most people are looking at this season as giving something up instead of gaining something. Here in this book of Isaiah, this 53rd chapter, we hear of a sacrifice made on our behalf so that we could gain life. It is in this book of prophecy from Isaiah. Uh, it, it is a most moving prophecy of the cross. It speaks of the price that redemption paid and how personal it was and it is for us. It's also a preview of God's purpose by sending his son. We repeat it often and all the time, John three sixteen. We say it without really thinking about the magnitude of the or the gravity of what was given us and what it took for it to pay for our, uh, uh, our sin. And that's, that scripture is easy. I'm sure most of you, if you've gone to Bible school or Sunday school, you remember that scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You, you've quoted it many times, but compre comprehending the full meaning might be a little bit elusive. The details in this 53rd chapter of Isaiah of Christ's death on the cross, it should call us to re-examine our impatience through this time of year. This scripture represents each of you, each of us, anyone that has been saved. It represents the suffering that was done for you and for me. I remember when I was in school, we had a we would have substitute teachers. We'd have them when our teacher wasn't going to be there and they may call in and so they get someone to come in at the last minute. We thought it was a free day because we knew or we thought or perceived that they had limited authority and if we cut up, chances of being reprimanded would be minimalized because we probably wouldn't see them again. There wasn't enough time for them to build a relationship with us and we with them, depending on the length of time, the substitute would be there. And the task was difficult. Often they were only there for a day or two and we'd never ever, they would never enter our, our sites again. And as students, ignorant at, as, at best, we would become unruly and do our best to run over him or her and, ca and cause confusion or anything to pre prevent them of doing what they were there to do. However, the sad thing is, what many people don't know is that many substitute teachers have considerable expertise. A substitute in an academic setting takes the place of another or in fact, not just in an academic setting. When you use something as a substitute, it's taking the place of something else or filling in the function of something else or someone else or a function that they would perform. They are the fill-in or the relief or the stand-in or backup, if you will. When you are a substitute, you're not only taking the place of another, you perform the function of that individual. For example, when my pastor is out of town, I'm his assistant and I become his substitute, filling in because he is not there or he may be there and he's just asked me to take his place or that place for that day. Substitutes are often seen as naive, inexperienced, and innocent and temporary people who don't have the time to spend and so therefore they don't get a lot of respect. And that, and that applies in that school setting. I dare say 
You all understand the idea of substitute when it doesn't apply to the academic setting. Over this Lent season, some of you replaced soda and you decided, okay, I'll just drink juice. Some of you decided to throw away 40 things and item each day for the 40 days of Lent. Or some of you sub sweet treats with, I saw a laundry list of things like smoothie bowls, banana splits, granola, honey fruit dip, applesauce and cinnamon bread, glazed fruit, peanut butter and apples. You get the picture. Some have, have swapped television for radio. Or you skip dinner, but you eat twice as much for lunch. You switch from Spotify to YouTube. You went from cursing to using bigger letter words that are just as jarring. You went from hot showers to no showers. I don't recommend that one. <laughs> you use the scale or you choose to not use the scale. You refuse to step on it, not to step on it throughout Lent. And that's something that necessarily shouldn't be sacrificed. You might need that check-in every now and then. Some of you have chosen to not eat out and chose to cook at home. Or some of you have said, okay, I won't look at the news. Instead, you go over someone else's house and they have the news on 24-7. You get the idea of substitute. Church, those things that you say you gave up as a sacrifice, that's not sacrifice. All you are doing is replacing the thing you long for with something that doesn't make the sacrifice so difficult. When you think of it in the academic setting, substitutes are seen as little authority. And when you think of that, that's why they don't get the respect that they deserve. But today, I'd like to share with you a substitute who has all authority, all knowledge, one who is almighty, and who knows all about you before you ever met him. Before you wake in the morning, he already knows what you're going to do. Before you lay down at night, he already knows if you're going to fall asleep or toss a turn. He knows all about you. He knows what sin you're going to commit before you, before you commit it. I want to talk to you about a substitute who sacrificed all for our freedom. But to fully understand this substitute, I need to tell you a little bit about what he's done. I need to give you some background. You know how and sometimes when you're in college, they, um, you want to look at the professor's curriculum uh, or, or physicians, the, the curriculum vitae. It tells you what they've studied and what their expertise is. So let me just tell you a little bit about his, uh, his, about his expertise and his experience. Let me tell you that one of the things that makes him a great substitute, he was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. Now, transgressions refers to intentional rebellion. Some call it presumptuous sin. That means when we are intentionally disobedient. Now, don't sit and think that you don't ever do that because we do it in the smallest of things. When the Lord tells you to maybe um, get up, something simple to get up and help someone else um, cross the street. And you're like, I'm not doing that. That's intentional rebellion. As small as that might seem, it might be a big deal for that person that he's told you to go to. An example in the word, Samson was intentionally disobedient. He broke the Nazarite law. When Samson was born, he was dedicated to God at birth. But his intentional actions, he touched a dead animal and ate honey out of his carcass. And then that whole deliberate part of sinning when he allowed his hair to be cut. Those are intentional rebellions. When we say that God was wounded for our transgressions, what we're saying is he was wounded for our sins, the sins we committed. 
And sin is a general term for anything that falls short of the glory of God. We know the word in Romans 3, 23, for he says for all, <laughs> that includes everybody. And if you're listening to this, that means you too and me. For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. You see, Jesus, this sacrifice, this substitute, he was the one who was pierced. None of us have experienced that kind of brutality. He was the one who wore a crown of thorns. And you think if you just prick your finger with a rose bush, how painful that is. He was the one who was nailed to the cross. He was our substitute. These are things we should have experienced we should have gone through, but he was our substitute. He was the one who was pierced by a soldier's spear. Yes, he was wounded for our transgressions, for our intentional rebellion to willfully sin and disobey the word of God. Now that sacrifice, think of all those other lists of things I gave you and those things you said that you sacrificed during 40 days, but you never had to be pierced. You never had to wear a crown of thorns. You were never nailed to a cross. You were never pierced by a soldier's spear. He had done nothing to deserve death. Even the thief on the cross acknowledged that. He said, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But the even a thief, he said, that hung next to him. One of them didn't say anything, but that one he, who got, he, he got the message. He got his mind right. He said, this man, this man's done nothing wrong. His wounds were because of his love for you and for me. Christ was our and is our substitute. The wounds of Christ were prophesied by Zechariah and many of the other prophets. The wounds of Christ were in God's plan for our salvation. The wounds of Christ were for you and for me. Let me tell you something else about this substitute, this experienced substitute who has gone through all the things that we have gone through and understands that how we suffer, but he shows us and he's given us a way out through his blood. This substitute was bruised for you. The word says he was bruised for our iniquities. And iniquity is, is more deeply rooted. It refers to a premeditated choice. That means you know you get ready to sin before you do it, but you commit this iniquity or this sin and you continue to do it without any need or feeling of repentance. You remember David and Bathsheba. People like to tell that story. It led the, to the killing of Bathsheba's husband. Uriah, he did nothing wrong, but it was the sin of David. But God forgives iniquity as he does any type of sin when we repent. Jeremiah 33 and 8 says, I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion. And so these are the things that we do against the will of God. And God calls us to be holy. And so when we repent, and let me tell you something, David, you know, people talk about, they said David was a man after God's own heart, even though he was a murderer. What made him that? Now, it doesn't exactly say what did, but I have my thoughts around it. Because when David was, um, when David sinned against um, the Lord, because we, we, people often think, well, his sin was against um his sin was against Uriah because he had Uriah mur murdered, but his sin was against God. And when he sinned, what ended up happening, Nathan, the prophet approached him, but I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but people often talk about David being a man after God's own heart. 
And I believe in my heart that the reason God called him that because his repentance was genuine. Because in the word he says, Lord, it's against you and you alone have I sinned. Stop allowing people to remind you of your sin. The Lord has no, the Lord knows you've sinned and he's forgiven you. And if you confess your sins, he said he's faithful, he's just, and he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So don't let people hold things over you that you know that you've gone to the Lord and he's already forgiven you and said, you know, your sins be, uh, be as scarlet. He's washed them away. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, he said, though your sins be as scarlet. That's what he says. He said, I'll make them white as snow. So just know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think or can imagine. Iniquity left unchecked leads to a state of willful sin with no fear of God. And the biblical writers use different words to refer to sin. And there's many forms of sin, regardless of how depraved a human heart can become. Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient. In other words, that substitute to cover all of it. That right there is hallelujah worthy. Imagine the bruises of the cross, bruises from the crown of thorns, bruises from the nails, bruises from the jolting or the setting of the cross, bruisings from the writhing of his body against that cross. This was not easy. He, the, the, he was bruised, if you think about it, for our sins, something he didn't do. He came, Jesus came to set those who were bruised as he spoke in Luke 4, 18 and 19. From the, from, he, he spoke from the scroll of the prophet. He came to set people who were bruised free. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to recover sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, Jesus came as the substitute for those who were hurt from sin. That means all of us. He came for my sin and your sins, our intentional disobedience, how serious our sins were. We fell away from God and God needed a way to bring us back close to him. Why? Because he loved us. How wonderful is his love. He, Jesus is our peace. The chastisement of our peace was on him. It wasn't on us. It was on Christ. There's a price for peace. It is our sin that broke the relationship we had for God. We were enemies of God. Romans 5 and 10 tells us, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Church, folks, there's a life after, after this, and we get to live it with Christ. This animosity was put, this enmity, this, this stuff that went against God, it was put away on the cross. But now in Christ Jesus, according to Paul and to the church's Ephesus, you who once were far away, been brought near by the blood of Christ. Peace was made for us at the cross. I don't know about you, but I look forward to seeing the substitute, the one who didn't just stay for a little while, but he desired to have a relationship with me. He desires to have a relationship with you.
He's the one who is willing to stand in, in my place and in your place when, when life is upside down. He's the one who's there when, when I ignore his calling and through willful disobedience and choosing to live my life as my own and you choosing to live your life as your own. I hope you want to get to know this substitute even more. The one who's willing to suffer physical harm, to be bruised, to have prickly crowns placed on his head, to be hung on a rugged cross where gravity pulled at his flesh for you, for me, for our redemption, to be reconciled back to him. I want that peace he brings. And I want to know that substitute who was willing to pay a steep price for my freedom, for our salvation, for our deliverance. Oh, how wretched we are yet saved by the blood and the sacrifice of the substitute. The next time you get weary as you journey, as you continue on in this season of sacrifice, I hope and pray that you won't focus on the condition, but that you will focus on the substitute, Jesus the Christ, the one who willingly became the sacrifice for our lives. What you've given up will never come close to our substitute. There's a song I'm reminded of, and I tell you, when I think of it and I think of the substitute, I tell you, it just makes me leap. Old folks used to sing it, and, and, and I tell you, I can't even say old folks. I think anybody that understands what happened at the cross, you begin to understand how much you are loved and that nothing can pull you from the grasp of the hands of our Lord and Savior. It says, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. I hope you are happy today. I hope you have the peace of Christ. I hope you have the substitute in your life. We have peace with God through faith in Christ alone. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Bless God. Thank you for the substitute. Until next time, brothers and sisters, keep the faith. Hang in there. God's got you. Don't look at this season of, as a sacrifice, but look at it at his at it as a way to identify the one who gave up everything for us. He's never going to leave you. He will never forsake you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Seek to live a life of peace and be sure, brothers and sisters, see the sunrise, see Christ in your everyday situations.